Coming up, warranty and why it absolutely does not matter. At least not in 2021 and beyond. I'll tell you what does instead. Details next. Dogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the card that's up there now, potentially. Okay, so yesterday I talked about Hyundai Staria, the new kid on the breeder bus block, versus Kia Carnival, right? One of them is the king, and which one it is kind of depends on you. And I'll put a link in the description to that video, but you should be subscribed to my frigging fine channel in any case with the bell notification icon well and truly punched. And that will take care of notifications of this nature. If you're thinking about buying a breeder bus or a seven-seat SUV, go back and watch yesterday's video because I drilled down into Staria versus Carnival in some detail. And that was inspired by a question from a dude named John Hark, who then went on what I would broadly categorise as a bit of a rant about warranty. So, let's do that. My one gripe with Hyundai is the five-year warranty. Surely it is time for seven. Apparently, Hyundai was the first to offer a five-year warranty back in 1999. I read that a Hyundai executive was quoted as saying in recent times that... Hyundai vehicles are of such good quality that there is no need for a longer warranty, implying that they are not likely to have faults after the five years. If they are of such good quality, then why can't they offer the longer warranty? Even if there was an option to purchase extra warranty at a reasonable cost, it would probably be worthwhile. I hesitate to buy a Hyundai with what I consider an unacceptable warranty period. Hopefully, they will reconsider their current five-year warranty stance as it makes me, and I assume other people, hesitant to purchase. John Hark there, and to John I would say, Dude, I am tempted to roast you over this, but I'm not going to because of what you said right at the very end as we would have said to our father as children, are we getting to the very end of this interminable drive, which was probably, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. Anywho, what John said at the end there was, as it makes me and I assume other people hesitant to purchase. And it friggin' does, dude, I'm with you on that. And I get it, I get so many emails from people who really want that longer warranty. And I'm going to just upend you right now, if that's okay with you, because warranty doesn't matter. Warranty has not mattered for 10 years in this country, okay? Because 10 years ago, actually 10 and a bit years ago now, on the 1st of January 2011, we had a sea change in Australian consumer law. We brought in a raft of new legislation that basically means warranty doesn't matter, because Instead of the length of the warranty and then car makers and the manufacturers of all other products being free to essentially throw you under the bus if that was their want, what happens now is that products, goods and services, all of this stuff have to be of acceptable quality. There's a piece of legislation and you can Google it. Just Google ACCC Consumer Guarantees, right? It's called the guarantee of acceptable quality. And part of that means that apart from uh, goods and services needing to match the descriptions made about them in brochures and online and 
by the salesman and all this stuff. What it also means is that goods and services need to be reasonably durable. And obviously, if you go to Officeworks and you buy yourself a friggin' Sharpie or something, then that legislation pertains to your Sharpie just the same way as it does to your $65,000 Kia Carnival or, you know, Hyundai Staria that you buy tomorrow. The application of the legislation is different, though, because there are different durability expectations for the Sharpie, right, versus the Staria, because the Sharpie's a few bucks, the Staria's 65, like, come on, okay? So what the product has to do, irrespective of the warranty that is offered for it, the product has to match the durability expectations of a reasonable consumer, okay? That's legislated. It's not optional. And that's not defined in the legislation because Sharpie versus Staria, okay, different durability expectations. But for a car, it seems that consumer tribunals are all leaning towards 10 years and about 150, 160,000 kilometres. So if you have a problem that you didn't cause by failing to get the vehicle serviced on time or otherwise abusing it, okay, parking it in the ocean, driving it like a cut cat and wearing it out, whatever. If you just drove it normally and it failed prematurely, I'll give you a specific example. If you just drive the vehicle normally, you get it serviced on time, you're seven, eight years down the track, and the transmission just goes poopy in its trousers, then they might try and brush you. Car maker, some hypothetical car maker or a dealer might try and brush you and tell you, well, it's out of warranty, that's going to be 10 grand, okay? But if push comes to shove, they will probably have to repair it, replace it, fit it for free. Okay, because legislation. Now, the wrinkle here is that not all car makers are equal when it comes to their underlying philosophy. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But basically what this Australian consumer law means is that warranty is either bullshit or irrelevant because consumer law always trumps warranty. It always does, subject to those caveats about you not being an asshole. okay? If you park in the ocean and your car rusts, dude, come on. You know, if you drive through a really deep river in, on the way to Dingo Piss Creek and you hydraulic your engine, that's not warrantable. And it's also not covered under consumer law because let's take Ford Ranger, for example. 800 millimetres worth of wading depth. If you drive through 1.2 metre deep water and the diff sucks in a bunch of water and the lubricating oil turns to emulsion and the diff falls out the back before you're even halfway to the creek, right? That's not warrantable because you exceeded the manufacturer's specifications, right? But if you're seven or eight years in and you haven't abused the vehicle and it just fails, then they are required by legislation to fix it. And here's the problem, right? The problem is that not all car makers are equal. Some of them are highly receptive to doing the right thing or and or <laughs> maintaining their reputation broadly out there in the community by doing the right thing, okay? Because they're two different things. What's right is different to what's required. What's right is different to what you can get away with. 
and what's right is different to caring about how that makes you look, okay? And car makers approach these issues differently, okay? It's like moral relativism writ large. Like moral relativism is like being on trial in Nuremberg in 1950 or something and saying, but I was just following orders, right? Or it's like ARB justifying hoovering up all of that job keeper and just adding it to the bottom line because, well, that was allowed, right? It's not the right thing to do. It's like AP Eagers, which added more than $100 million to its profit, paid for exclusively by, jo by job keeper, okay? And justifying it on the grounds of, but we were allowed to do it. That's not the same thing as it being right. And this is moral relativism. Okay, and you've probably seen in various shots around the fat cave the three-pronged suppository, inverted over there, right? The little light that I put up a few episodes ago. The reason it's there is because, and the reason it's inverted is because, of course, Mercedes-Benz is the supplier of vehicles to hell, the official supplier. They've got a product placement deal in hell. And obviously Satan's S-Class rocks the logo inverted so everyone can see him coming. Okay, And reciprocity is in practice because Satan manages customer care for Mercedes-Benz here on the world, on the mortal coil. Okay, And that's why it's there. It reminds me of moral relativism in the car industry. Okay, Because the default vision at Mercedes-Benz in Australia is that the badge is so attractive, okay? It's attractive enough that they can afford to throw customers with legitimate complaints right under the bus and just say, oh, well, that's an operational characteristic. I'm looking at you, every Mercedes-Benz that crabs itself sideways when it's trying to turn at full lock. Like, that's disgraceful. I'm looking at you, Mercedes-Benz, for the command online system that they just elected to take down after people spent money because they wanted to acquire that functionality, okay? Moral relativism. That's when you don't do what's right because you can get away with it. Of course, it's allowed, whatever. And the reason they can get away with it, incidentally, is because the regulatory apparatus, which is largely managed by the ACCC, but also managed at state level by the various consumer tribunals, okay? The regulatory apparatus is flawed. Like the ACCC is asleep at the wheel, often enough. And at the state level, if you want to go to a tribunal, it can cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars to quote-unquote win. And just to see that in practice, to see an extreme example of that, you'd want to look up Sally Morphy and the term Range Rover. Now, Sally Morphy is a rich lady, and I referred to her in some report as the Princess of Poshtovia, as kind of a joke, right? Now, She's got balls, though, metaphorically, and I've got the utmost respect for her because she didn't take shit from Land Rover, which is right up there with three-prong, okay, and Jeep, and a bunch of other car makers, Volkswagen. The whole Volkswagen group's pretty bad at customer support. <coughs> I think you'd agree, okay? So anyway, Sally Morphy buys this ultimate lemon Range Rover. Not hard, okay? And... It fails, and it keeps failing, and it's just the dog from hell, and everyone knows that. But And even the dealer is kind of on board. They're, they're supportive. And Land Rover head office here in Australia 
they just do what they're so good at, which is act like complete cocks. Okay, and they keep acting like complete cocks and Sally Morphy goes, the princess, she goes, I'm not taking this, we're going to NCAT, right? So she goes to court and she wins and Land Rover has to buy the vehicle back because of this legislation, the Acceptable Quality Consumer Guarantee in Section 50, whatever it is of the Act, okay, 51, I think. Anyway, so that's not enough, right? Because one of the worst things about going through this process if you're not rich, is that it cost the princess like a hundred and something thousand bucks in legal fees to quote unquote win. Like, I think it was $137,000 or something of that nature. Anyway, it was an, an amount like that. In other words, an amount that constitutes a hurdle that most of us would not be able to get over if we had a problem with a car. And bear in mind, the legal fees don't change, right? It can be a $200,000 Range Rover or it can be a $40,000 five-seat SUV, bottom-of-the-range thing, it's still going to cost you a fee like that ultimately to win if the other side are complete cocks, okay? So the princess goes, that's not acceptable, and she makes an application for costs, okay? And the thing about consumer law is that typically in consumer law cases, each party bears the brunt of their own legal costs. And it's very difficult to make a successful application for costs. In fact, to be successful with an application for costs, the other party has to be a complete cock, okay? So the princess was successful. And not only was the princess successful, okay, the dealership was successful, okay? So Land Rover had to pay the princess's costs and the dealership's costs and its own costs. And if it cost the princess 130 grand, let's say, hypothetically, it was like that, and it cost the dealership 130 grand, and it cost Land Rover 130 grand for their own lawyers, then that was another broadly 400,000 bucks. Just because they couldn't say, we're terribly sorry, your Land Rover's the ultimate lemon, let's take care of it for you, okay? And this is the central thesis of my argument about warranty being bullshit, because the princess's car was under warranty, and they fucked her off anyway, okay? And she had to go through this laborious $130,000 process just to win, and then she had to roll the die again and make an application for costs, which was only saved she was only victorious because of the ultimate cock nature of the first respondent, which I find, you know, remarkably uplifting and even hilarious and I'm in the way that I'm sure Land Rover doesn't, right? But I find that hilarious because it highlights just how inaccessible consumer law really is to ordinary people like me and you, okay? And that's a serious problem and therefore... Warranty doesn't matter because the princess's Range Rover was under warranty and it was a shitbox, objectively, and she had not abused it, objectively, and they still didn't help. So instead of considering the warranty, what you've got to do is get information, do research on which car makers look after their customers and which car makers do not. And it frigging gobsmacks me, like ultimate gobsmack, that the bar of excellence for consumer support in Australia with cars, 
appears to be just complying with the law. Even if you spend 200 grand, like if you buy a Hermes Birkin handbag, not something I know a great deal about, and if the zipper goes poopy in its trousers and you front back up at the shop, I'm tipping there's some customer service executive who will rush out and tell you that that's terrible, right? That's terrible, ma'am or sir. Let me take that for you and we will fix it. And is there, can I offer you a glass of champagne? And is there anything we can do for you? And, and you know, some gesture of goodwill would be forthcoming and there would not be a problem about you've abused that or, you know, that zipper going poopy is just an operational characteristic. And well, if you think that's bad, just take us to NCAP, you stupid bitch, right? Come on. Compliance with the law is not excellence. It's, it's, it's the price of admission to the playing field of commercial reality. And yet, the ACCC allows this to be the status quo for selling cars in Australia, which is flat out friggin' disgraceful in my view, okay? And the other thing that really matters here is the accessibility of recourse because it's frigging expensive to go to one of the consumer tribunals, which is essentially consumer court. And if you do that, right, if you go to consumer court and the other team are prepared to act like cocks, they just spend and spend and spend and spend so that you've got to match them to keep playing the game, okay? And that is absolutely disgraceful conduct. And this is why, I mean, everybody says, oh, you're in their pocket or you're in their pocket, whatever. But this is why I tell people it's not a bad idea to buy a Toyota. It's a good idea to buy a Hyundai. It's a good idea to buy a Kia. It's a good idea to buy a Subaru. Okay, it's a good idea to buy a Lexus. Because it's a good idea to buy a BMW. And it's a good idea to do these things because they don't treat you like ultimate cock Land Rover or Satan's car maker of choice or the Volkswagen Group or Nissan or any one of these other deplorable car makers. Jeep is, uh, Jeep is on a summit all of its own too. I mean, come on, Fiat Chrysler. Not that they sell too many cars these days, thankfully. That's what you've got to do instead of obsess about the warranty. Dude, you've got to obsess about which car maker is not going to throw you under the bus if you have a legitimate problem and solid grounds for support, like if you've got a moral case for support that's supported by legislation, in a perfect world, you would get a good result. But <coughs> you can agree, the automotive industry in Australia is so badly regulated that it really is optional. It's up to the car maker whether or not they comply. And a handful of car makers are really good. A bunch of other car makers are mediocre, meaning in the middle of the pack. And there's a bunch of really bad operators right up the back that are bringing the tone of the whole operation down. And I've named them several times in this report. So that's what you should consider instead of just sitting there going, oh, seven years versus five. Because I guarantee that eight years down the track with your Hyundai, your Kia, your Subaru, your Lexus, your Toyota, whatever. If you have a legitimate problem that is not a consequence of neglect or abuse on your part, then those brands will look after you. You will get some kind of resolution. In fact, 
I had a case the other day where a couple of pensioners reached out to me with one of those brands that I won't name because they all operate very similarly, okay? They had this problem that involved a catastrophic engine failure with a vehicle that's like, was eight or nine years old, okay? So if it was a Kia, it would have been out of warranty. And if it was any of those other brands with five-year warranties, the industry standard, it would have been out of warranty. And they initially got brushed by the dealership, which kind of happens all the time. And then I, I said to them, give me the VIN code and the rego number and I'll reach out to the car maker. And I did that. And within 24 hours, I got a call back from the car maker. And what they said was, we'll cover the cost of parts. They can pay for the labor, right? And I think that's reasonable in the circumstances because they could have been complete cocks about it, you know? They, they could have been such complete, if they'd just been another brand, they would have been complete cocks about it. And it would have been, I don't know, fifteen dollars to $20,000 problem for a couple of pensioners who had a seemingly legitimate complaint. And there was a bit of ambiguity about their issue because their car had been serviced by their son and things of this nature, which would have given the car maker grounds to be a card carrying cock in consumer court. But instead, they did what was right. You know, and they, I guess they did some calculations internally about what's right, how is this going to make us look, and, uh, you know, how does this mesh with our culture, basically. And those pensioners got a good result because instead of paying 15 to 20 grand, they're paying a couple of thousand bucks for the labour to fit a complete brand new engine in a car that's eight or nine years old. And this is what you're looking at. That's better. I think you'd agree, than paying 130 grand of just roll the dice in consumer court, not that they could have afforded to do that. So the brand is something that you jump into bed with. You cannot separate them. You buy car A, you jump into bed with that brand. You cannot separate them. You can't just have the car, like, oh, no Volkswagen or Cox, but I love the Golf. Well, if you buy a Golf, you've got to jump into bed with Volkswagen. You've got to hope that you don't have a problem and acknowledge the probability that if you do, under the bus is going to be the balance of probability option when it comes to, quote-unquote, supporting you. So you've got to think about that and give it due consideration before you just fall in love with a car that is objectively a bad idea against this customer support culture criteria.